0: Welcome to the podcast. I'm Shira Schoenberg. The next legislative session will begin on Wednesday, January sixth, and the 40-member Senate will have two new members, John Cronin and Adam Gomez. Senator-elect Cronin is a Democrat from Lunenburg who defeated Senator Dean Tran, while Senator-elect Gomez is a Democrat from Springfield who defeated Senator Jim Welch. Thank you both for joining me. Adam, you're going to be the first Puerto Rican elected to the state Senate. a Springfield City Councilor, a small business owner, you've worked with veterans. Tell us a little bit more about your personal background and how you got to be where you are today.
1: Uh, Thank you. Uh, It's very nice to be here with you guys. Well, my name is Adam Gomez. I'm a Springfield City Councilor, elected in 2015. Um, I started off as a member organizer with Neighbor to Neighbor, um, working on uh, different fronts of, you know, uh, raise up, uh, criminal justice reform, immigrants rights, environmental justice, um, you know, and just really started off with uh, canvassing and getting involved with stuff going on in my neighborhood, ran for my neighborhood board. Um, From there, I just, you know, got involved with what was going on locally. And then from there it transitioned into the city council seat. Then from the city council seat, um, we ran a, a really grassroots campaign during the pandemic to uh, getting to the Senate as of uh, as of now. But um, I just come from humble beginnings. Um, I'm a father of three, 14-year-old daughter, 12-year-old son, well, he's almost 12, and a four-year-old daughter. Um, all of them uh, go to public schools. Um, my partner, she works um, at a nonprofit that works with housing. Um, you know, we, we both uh, really grew up uh she grew up in Holyoke, um really, you know, uh and basically with parents that you know were part of the the, the social systems as as on my side, my father and my family are uh, a service uh service family. So we're army strong. My father a retired a retired combat veteran, Sindel Gomez. My mother Eva Gomez was also uh um a veteran and uh, my brother's a uh, combat veteran and my nephew and my grandfathers, both of them were both uh, um, veterans in the World War, World War II. So, you know, when it comes to veterans work, that's kind of like second nature. It's just, it's just a part of our life. And, you know, uh, before that, I used to work with kids. I used to work at the YMCA for quite a long time where I met my partner, where I was a director of a youth program and I supervise uh, 55 staff and about 300 kids. But for the most part, it's always been people first. I'm a person that loves to get involved with grassroots issues. And that's a little bit about myself, aside from, you know, you had stated that I was a business owner, which has been a struggling business during the pandemic. So I'm just humbled to have uh, been counted in when a lot of people just count us out.
0: And you've described yourself as the first Afro-Latino to serve in the Senate. Right now, the state Senate has just one member of the Black and Latino Caucus, Senator Sonia Chang-Diaz. You'll be the second. Does ethnic diversity matter in a body like the Senate? And do you feel any additional responsibility as an Afro-Latino office holder?
1: Um, I think I do have a sense of responsibility with the fact that, one, that I grew up Puerto Rican, grew up Latino, and in my uh, Caribbean culture uh, has a lot of history and demographic and um, a truth of that we have African ancestry within us. And I think within my community, it's important for me to show my solidarity with my ancestors that were African. Maybe both of my parents um, aren't from a darker hue, but I do have brothers and sisters that are darker. I have family members that are Black, that are just Afro-Latino. I have family and friends that are Afro-Latino. Um, my genealogy um, absolutely shows that I have African ancestry in like a strong presence of it. And with the issues and things that uh, come before us specifically to what was taken up in the Senate with police reform, I think it's important that um, the, the black community and the Latino community understand that we're traditionally going through or experiencing the same things. And we, and our histories are kind of the same. The only thing difference between them is that the, the, the oppressor uh, speaks a separate language. I think that you know uh, what was going on in the, uh, in the Caribbean has the same context and history of what was going on down in the South, but at the same time with the fact that if it wasn't for our civil rights movement and our black and brown brothers or our black brothers and sisters, I mean, um, if it wasn't for them, there wouldn't be uh, a lot of these movements happening. You know, we're on the cusp of a hundred years of, of women being able to vote. And then now we're still fighting for equality across the lines and me to be able to walk into the Senate at this at this time to create a sense of uh, unity and that presence and that, that drive and that reasoning to understand that, um, you know, I have a lot of lived experience of the things that we might be legislating in the near future, that I can speak on them as things that I went through as growing up Puerto Rican, but black in America.
0: And John, you're a U.S. Army combat veteran. You've worked in veteran services. You're getting a law degree. Tell us about your personal background and how you ended up in the Senate.
2: Sure, absolutely. So um, I had the privilege to grow up here in North Central Massachusetts, which is the district that I'm going to be able to represent in the state Senate. And um, and my family has been here too. So i um, I was able to go to West Point. I graduated in 2013, commissioned as an infantry officer and really the formative experience of my, um, my adult life was being able to deploy to Afghanistan twice, um, serving in key leadership positions and leading soldiers. I got out of the army in, in 2018, uh, as a captain was honorably discharged, did some, some veterans advocacy work at a legal services center in, in Jamaica Plain. Um, and, uh, You know, thought 2020 was not a year to sit on the sidelines. So um, decided to run to represent and uh, present a vision for new leadership to the place I grew up. And I'm lucky enough to have the privilege to join the, uh, the Senate chamber next week. And I'm really looking forward to it.
0: And during the campaign, you talked about your opposition to the police reform bill that was recently passed by the legislature. Do you define yourself as a centrist within the Democratic Party? And if so, is there room for a centrist in a Senate that's often seems to be the more progressive body on Beacon Hill?
2: Yeah, so I I, um, don't like putting a finger on myself on any point of the spectrum. Uh, I I oppose the Senate version of the police reform bill because I thought it went too far uh, to subject officers to civil liability. Uh, But I support the House version of the bill uh, and the one that came out of the committee and and the one that um, is is ultimately going to be law.
0: Um, so do you, do you plan to join, for example, the Progressive Caucus? Do you, where do you consider yourself on the ideological spectrum?
2: I mean, every bill that comes across my desk that I have the privilege to vote on, I'm, I'm really going to put through a you know, just a two-factor test, whether I believe it's the right thing and whether I believe it's the right thing for my district. So whether other people uh, want to pigeonhole me in as a centrist or a progressive, that's not something that really means a lot to the 160,000 people that, that I represent, and I, I don't believe is going to make me a more effective legislator.
0: Adam, you are endorsed by Progressive Massachusetts. Do you consider yourself a progressive? What does that mean to you?
1: Um, I do have a progressive ideology that um, that fit the description of why they endorsed me. Um, You know, I believe that, you know, myself I've already uh, joined the progressive uh, caucus, but it doesn't mean that I wouldn't be opening to understanding, um, you know, all sides of, of, of uh, when it comes to a, to, to a specific legislation. I was, I was elected into a purple district. Um, something like this is, is honestly, you know, I have to be realistic and I have to really look at, you know, how does this benefit my constituents? But for the most part, traditionally, yes, I, I do lean left uh, majority of the time, but I don't lean left because um, I guess uh, certain people like like my uh, my colleague has stated, pigeonhole me into that direction. I, I lean left because I ideally believe that some of these These, uh, um, this legislation, these pieces of legislation, it's part of my values, my morals, and I think it's the right thing to do. But then there's sometimes when there's some pieces of legislation that are ordained or seen as being super progressive. And I don't agree with them at all either. So it's going to be kind of a slippery slope. Essentially, it's not like I'm just going to get along with the gang because uh, that's what everybody's doing and everybody's saying. But for the most part, I'm really going to keep a very open mind on moving forward when it, when it comes to supporting any piece of legislation that comes across my desk.
0: And John, what do you see as the top issues for you in the Senate? What do you hope to work on?
2: I think, um, you know, first and foremost, we've got to get the Commonwealth through this pandemic that has really hurt um so many families at a personal level um, and also you know, wreaked havoc on our small businesses and our local economy. And I think um, that's not an abstraction to us in the legislature, right? I don't care if it's the, the restaurants you go to in your neighborhood or the gym that you go to um, or your kids going to school, it's, it's something that has affected all of us at a deeply personal level. And um, how we come out of this is really gonna be um, my number one focus uh, as a legislator in the new session. And then I think that, you know, the Senate specifically is, is ready and poised to pivot to a, a broader view um, of, of how to look at equity. And that's across education, it's across transportation, um, finding progressive uh, revenues to make um, really equitable investments in ourselves as a Commonwealth. Uh, so I, I think those are the things that's, that, that are going to define the next session, next two years.
0: Adam, what about your Top priorities for the Senate?
2: Um,
1: recovery. Uh, my platform, what it was in January, necessarily wasn't the platform that it is today. Um, um, I think uh, Senator Cronin uh, and myself share the same ideology when it comes to, we have to make sure that uh, our housing is, is fairly uh, looked at in an equitable lens when it comes to the systems and when it comes to the protections that are in place, when it comes to you know, obviously we, you can tell that him and I are very strong on veterans values. Um, you can really see that, you know, when it comes to uh, also economic development, we want to restart this engine. We want to get people's uh, small businesses back, in, uh, back into moving. But if we can't put ourselves in the spectrum that some of these things we have to put on hold to make sure that the recovery is real and not just a, a Band-Aid, because we're going to be going through this for the next uh, couple of years. And we want to just make sure that we're effective to our constituents. I think that um, if we keep ourselves um, in that lens to make sure that we want to come out of the, this recovery um, in the best shape possible and taking it one session at a time, I think that we're going to be we're going to benefit uh, the state of Massachusetts and, and represent our constituents well.
0: I was wondering if either of you have any legislative role models who you're going to try to emulate.
1: I'll we'll start with
0: Adam, and then go move to John.
1: Um, to be traditionally honest with you, um, I have a lot of friends that do a lot of great work on the Senate. I don't necessarily have any kind of role models that are on the state Senate that, that met, uh, that are mentoring me at the moment, which I know that that happens with relationship building and working. But, um, one of my mentors on the federal level that is a, a great, uh, has been a great asset to me through my career has been Congressman Luis Gutierrez that, um, I have a, little, a lot of great relationships with him and a lot of, um, you know, things on the federal level, but here at home, one of my, uh, mentors, but is actually in the house, uh, has been uh, representative Carlos Gonzalez, which, um, he has been a, a true champion of me since I was a, a teenager. And, you know, I have my father, which, uh, first and foremost is the one that I give all to. I thank him for being there in my life and obviously, uh, showing me never to quit. So for, for the most part, you know, I look forward to learning from even Senator Cronin and all of uh, the rest of my uh, 38 colleagues that uh, I'm going to learn from everyone and make sure that I- I'm going to be the best senator that I can be.
2: Yeah, and to echo that, I think one of the challenges that both me and, and Senator Lecomas have had is um, it's harder to build relationships right now, specifically within the chamber that that we're going to join. Um And, you know, we can do Zooms, we can do everything, but I I specifically am am really looking forward to be able, uh, hopefully in the spring or the summer, to uh, be working in the building and collaborating with all of our colleagues. In terms of role models for me, I I think um, Representative Hank Naughton, who is on the House side is is, um, a mentor to me and somebody who I, I really believe um, I think he's been 26 years in the House, but uh, is a model to me of somebody who never forgot who he is, where he came from, and uh, advocated and continues to advocate for, for Clinton and, and the rest of the district where um, he raised his family, his family's from, and uh, as, a, as a citizen soldier. Um, so that's somebody I look up to and, and respect.
0: And there has been a push for more transparency throughout the state house. Things like making committee votes public, making committee testimony public. Would either of you be interested in pushing for
1: more openness in the legislature? I've been total a proponent on transparency, even when I've been here on the city council. I don't see a reason why not. I think it's important when it comes to the public to trust government once again, that it is important for us to put that uh, fresh foot forward. Uh, I understand that some some colleagues may uh, not like that, but for the most part, you know, I really don't know what's the temperature on it. But in my case, I don't have a problem with uh, you know uh, letting people know how I vote, why I voted because I think it's important when you're leading to understand why you voted a certain way without you know keeping it closed and keeping it uh, away from the public. I think the public needs to know how you vote and why you voted. Because it gives you, regardless if you disagree or they agree with you or not, you, it's better for coalition building and also for um, people in your constituency to understand where you're coming from.
0: And there's been uh, one of the biggest debates on Beacon Hill has been whether the state needs to raise more taxes, whether we need to collect more revenue. Where do each of you stand on that? Maybe I'll start with you, John, on this one.
2: Sure. Yeah. So I I ran uh, on the platform that I support uh, the millionaires tax and and progressive taxation. Look, you know, we live in a time of um, historic inequality and it's a it's as good a time as ever to be really rich and it's uh, really expensive and uh, to be poor. And so I think there are equitable investments that if the Commonwealth is going to continue to grow and be a place where people come to innovate and raise families that we need to make. and it's, it's really a plan for growth that is underpinned by equity, and that's in our public transportation infrastructure. Uh, and things I talked about on my campaign that resonated with voters are increasing access for working families to early childhood education and uh, increasing access to vocational training and our workforce development and job skills. And, and those are investments that we can't make um, if, if we don't pursue um, a more progressive tax scheme or revenues, excuse me.
1: I think, um, you know, one agreeing on <laughs> every single point that Senator Cron- Cronin had made, just so I do not sound redundant, one thing that we have to also look into that I think it's a revenue boosters, two of them, and this is my own opinion, aside from uh, what the Senator had spoke on that we I totally agree with, is the marijuana. Uh, I think cannabis is an industry that, um, one, right now, we understood that we brought in kind of almost a billion dollars, from what I understand, into the industry. And I know that for sure that if we look at this, this new revenue stream, and also when it comes to licenses, uh, we can also look into, you know, different ways to create revenue. And, you know, the cannabis industry, even though some might not uh, want to get involved with it, it's something that is real, and it's something that there's money on the table and money that can go back to our constituents, specific to housing, education, Um, also to early childhood, where not only that we can put band-aids, but we can really put some sustainable uh, work plans and and revenue uh, using those revenue streams.
0: You've both mentioned this issue of an equitable recovery. What role do you see yourselves having as part of the Senate while you're trying to create this equitable recovery in the next year or so?
2: um when we talk about equity what we're really talking about is fair and impartial access to opportunity so what is the senate's role um i believe it is making those equitable investments to you know to take uh inequality head on and that's access to transportation it's access to substance use disorder treatment uh, it's access to things like early childhood education and vocational training um and i i, I know uh, the second COVID relief package is, has just passed, but we don't know in the future um, if that's the last federal money that we'll see, but I, I really truly believe it's um, it's the legislature's role to um, to direct the, the budget to make those investments um, and to take hard looks at um, how we're providing across uh, all the things and all the government services fair and impartial access to opportunity. Um,
1: my role is to really speak from a, from, a plan, from an area that I know best and has lived experience. When it comes to not being able to pay the rent, I understand exactly what that feels like because I'm still a renter. When it comes to trying to get um, folks, and as a city councilor, I represent this poorest district in Massachusetts. And if we cannot sustain, um, you know, the folks that are hurting the most, uh, then there's a problem outside of that, you know, of course, in other pre- places uh, in the state of Massachusetts, there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of really lived experiences, stories and narrative. And I want to be the one that can be able to champion that stuff, bringing it towards the Senate to understand fully that if you even have a senator that was hurting during this pandemic or a candidate to understand some of those lived experience, because before the pandemic, there was already a slew of issues that were going on that I um, experienced as a man growing up uh, with my family and I think that, you know, that's the thing that I, I could be able to bring to the Senate is that the things that we legislate and we think that are important, if they're actually going to be impactful and what it does it mean for necessary for, for, for communities of color and also communities that are poor and impoverished that aren't of color as well.
0: How much harder is it joining the Senate during a pandemic? What does that do to your job, your ability to get to know the office, your colleagues?
2: I'll take a first Um, cut at that one, Adam. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I mean, it's really hard, right? I mean, um, being a legislator and coming from a person who has been in the state house building once, but um, it's about relationships and it's about human relationships. So, um, again, building that camaraderie, but building that trust among colleagues is harder. Um, On the flip side, the benefit is, um, you know, Senator Let Gomez is out in Springfield. I'm out in central Massachusetts. It does give us the ability to, um, to be in our district more, uh, and to be laser focused and available to our constituents. So I I think that is a silver lining, uh, but not one that comes without its challenges. Um, he, he hit it right up, right on the head. I think that, uh,
1: with me coming, you know, from the West side, right. (laughs) It's, um, I'm not looking forward to driving 80 miles a day and coming right back. But, you know, uh, there's certain things that I would have loved to do already, like already gone into the building, which I've, you know, been in the building plenty of times, but not in this capacity. Right. And learning the ins and outs, learning the building, uh, meeting with different senators when they have the time and uh, being able to meet in person with with, with the Senate president. And, and f- just to really soak it all in, it, it feels uh, somewhat eerie, like you're, you're walking in to be a, a senator and you haven't really walked into the Senate yet and been able to smell the wood or walk into the, the steps of history. And, you know, all that stuff comes with it when you're in a, uh, when you're a, a freshman, I guess. Too. But for the most part, um, it's been 10 months or so that I've been living on Zoom. And what's another two or three months just to remain safe and make sure that all the staff and the rest. And, and, and the senators are, are still safe. So for the most part, yes, I want to get out of this house. But secondly, I would love to, uh, to be at the Senate and really meet my other colleagues and my uh, staff members and just really just get into the flow of things and really start, uh, you know, soaking it in and really understanding this feeling. The, the way it, it, it was supposed to be, I guess.
0: I think we can all relate to the feeling of wanting to get out of your house and off of Zoom. Um, so one final question, we'll wrap up with this. What is it that you've seen the legislature do that gives you reason to think that this body can make a difference? Adam, start with you.
1: To be, in my case, uh, already, um, we have passed some great, pieces of legislation when it came to the Student Opportunity Act. Obviously, we haven't been able to fund it fully at the moment to make sure that all communities are fully funded when it comes to you know, education. Um, we've seen what we've done with criminal justice reform already. Uh, now, with police reform, being able to cross and uh, negotiate uh, with the House to pass something that everybody can live with as of right now, and then you see that the override, when it comes to the Roe Act that well, they're working on, as of now, I think that, you know, we're walking in a time that this body has been able uh, to to have accomplished and done some really historic moments. And I think uh, Senator Cronin and myself are just getting in with the wind behind our back. I think we're going to be able to set sail and be a part of this historic moment in Massachusetts when it comes to the future of the different pieces of logis- progressive legislation that is just before us.
2: And I'd echo that. I think in the last two years, um, the last legislative session, uh, the Senate has been responsive to uh, needs and challenges faced by the Commonwealth, whether it's uh, equity in education and the passing of the Student Opportunity Act, racial justice and police reform, uh, expanding and codifying women's reproductive rights, um, this is a body that, and passing climate change uh, legislation, um, the Senate chamber, this is a body that does the work, and I'm, I'm really humbled and, and privileged to be able to join it um, and, and look to con- contribute.
0: And you can follow the latest legislative news on commonwealthmagazine.org. This has been another episode of the podcast. I'm Shira Schoenberg, and I want to thank Senator-elect Adam Gomez and Senator-elect John Cronin for joining me on the podcast.
2: Thanks so much, Shira. Bye-bye.